Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. We have been in the book of Acts, and uh, I'm going to finish off chapter three today. I think it's our eighth week or ninth week. I don't even know. Can't keep count. But uh, just a pop quiz, the book of Acts was written by a dude named Luke, and Luke had a job. His career was a man. He was a physician or a doctor. He wrote the book of Luke to a guy named Theopolis or Theo. And if you just kind of backtrack with me just a little bit, the book of Acts starts off with Jesus. This is resurrected Jesus. He's spending some time with the disciples. He tells them, boys, I'm about to go. I'm going to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm sending an advocate for you. He is the Holy Spirit. It is the promise of the Father for him to come. He tells them, do not leave Jerusalem. Wait for him. He's coming. And so they wait, and they wait, and they wait 10 days, and they're in this place called the upper room. And then we, we read four or five weeks ago about the day of Pentecost. And the day of Pentecost, that was the Jewish harvest. The, uh, that the day of Pentecost comes and the Holy Spirit comes in on the day of Pentecost and he comes in like a mighty rushing wind. And it was like a tornado in that room and all of these people get filled. It was the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues and other languages. And all the people that were there in Jerusalem for the Feast of the Harvest heard what was going on and they come to see and then we see Peter preaches for the first time. It's the first message ever preached and he preaches and 3,000 people repent and they're baptized. That's a pretty good first church service, right? And so that's what happens. And then right after this, we see Peter and John, Acts chapter three, they're, they're going to the, the, the temple to pray. It's the, the hour of prayer. It's three in the afternoon and they come to this man who's been lame. He hasn't walked in 40 years and he's asking for change. He's saying, you got any change? You got any change? That's the way a lot of us come to church, isn't it? We want something to change in our life. Give me change. Give me change. And Peter and John says, we don't have the change that you're looking for, but we do have get up in the name of Jesus and walk. And it says the man got up and he started dancing and rejoicing and leaping. How many know that if there was a man who hasn't walked for 40 years and he was never able to walk and the next time you see him, he's doing the cabbage patch, people would start talking and there would be some attention and they're asking questions. And that's exactly where we are and we're going to pick up today. So if you have your Bibles or your devices or you can look on the screen. All of my notes are going to be on the screen. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. We're going to finish out Acts 3 today. Starting in verse 11. Let's see if we can tie these last two weeks together. It says this. While he, talking of the man who got healed, was clinging to Peter and John. It says all of the people. Everybody say all the people. Ran together to them at the portico named Solomon's. Completely astonished. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people. Now this is going to be Peter's second sermon. The first sermon he preached was in Acts chapter two. So this is his second sermon of his series. He says this, men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why are you staring at us as though by our own power or godliness, we made him walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant, Jesus, the one whom you handed over and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him, but you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murder to be granted to you, but put to death the prince of life whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. And this verse says this, and on the basis of faith in his name, 
It is the name of Jesus, which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him has given him perfect health and the presence of you all. And on the basis of faith in his, it is the name of Jesus. I want to preach a message to you this morning, simply entitled, No Other Name. No Other Name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the name of Jesus. We thank you for that name. It's why we're gathered here. We're not gathered to worship any other name. We're not gathered to celebrate any other name. God, we receive nothing through any other name. And so today, Lord, we lift up that name. Let that name be glorified. Do something inside of each and every single one of us. And Lord, my prayer today is may we never be the same. It's in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. No other name. Say that. No other name. I've come to learn that that God is all about attention. He's all about building his name. Now, it is true that God will use people. God will use organizations. God will use nations. God will use churches. But there is only one name that he's trying to make famous. And it's not a preacher or a politician. When God does things, it's for a reason. All throughout scripture, when, when God shows off, it's for one of two reasons. Number one, God always hears the cries of his people. How many of you know that when you cry out to God, God hears your cry? He, he wants to deliver his people. He wants to help his people. It's because he loves his people. I'm thankful that we serve a God who loves us. He's not sitting in heaven with a hammer just waiting for us to, to, to mess up every time. He's sitting in heaven with arms open wide waiting to redeem us and rescue us. That's, that's the nature of God. But understand when God rescues us, it's because he loves us. But when he loves us, he wants to get the glory to his name. He wants us to know that it's in nothing of ourselves that got us to where we are. If you've experienced victory in your life, if you've experienced favor in your life, if God has done something great in your life, it has nothing to do with your own ingenuity. It has nothing to do with your own goodness, but it has to do with the goodness of God himself. So when God shows up in supernatural ways, really it's for one purpose, to give glory to his name. God loves his name. He loves getting the attention. If you go with me to Psalm chapter 106, verse 7 and 8, it says, Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works, which means that God was doing wonderful things. He was performing miracles. Manna was falling from heaven. It was a fire by night. There was all these things that were taking place. God's deliverance was, was in front of them. He was moving mightily. It says, But they rebelled by the sea and at the Red Sea, yet he saved them for his namesake that he may make known his mighty power. So when God rescued Israel from Egypt, he did it for his glory. We see it all throughout scripture in Exodus chapter 14. God defeated Pharaoh at the Red Sea to show us his glory. In Ezekiel chapter 20, when God spared Israel in the wilderness, he did it for the glory of his name. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, he gives Israel victory in Canaan for one reason, for the glory of his name. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, God did not cast away his people. Why? He did it for the glory of his name. All throughout scripture, and I could have given you a hundred different stories where God shows up, God does the supernatural, God does the unexplainable, and he does it so he gets the glory. Are you with me? Dozens and dozens of times God shows up and when he shows up, when he does something supernatural, he wants to make sure that his name gets the glory. Now he'll use people, he'll even use animals, he'll use nations, but he wants to make sure the glory comes to himself. I mean, if God can speak to a, through a donkey, the, 
And the donkey think it was him? How you know it was never about the donkey? It was about bringing glory to God. The book of Acts is no different. And in the last two chapters, we've, we've read stories about God doing things and he gets the glory. He's going to get the attention. Remember, the, the, the feast of Pentecost comes and, and, and Jesus says, wait in the upper room and they're waiting there. And then it says that the Holy Spirit comes and when he comes, that they begin to speak in tongues and they begin to speak in other languages. The book of Acts chapter 2 tells there's at least 16 languages that begin to happen. How many know if, if all of a sudden 16 different nationalities, God spoke through a bunch of Cajuns, that would be crazy. It would be unexplainable. If you started speaking Chinese and you, and you never studied Chinese, it just came out of your mouth. That's what was happening in, in, in the book of Acts. And so when God does this, it says that the people in the town that were there for the, the feast of Pentecost, they heard what was going on and they said, yo, these folks are drunk. And Peter stands up and says, hey, they ain't drunk. They just filled with the Holy Spirit. Why, why did God allow, why did God do it this way? Because when God moves supernaturally, it's a huge attention grabber. So Peter preaches and says, they're not drunk with, with, with wine, they're drunk with the Holy Spirit. And it says 3,000 people were saved. This gift is a gift not just for them, but it's for you and your children and your children's children. You can have it too. So God shows up to grab their attention so he gets the glory. You with me? Right after this, Peter and John are walking to the temple and here's the layman that we've been talking about for two weeks. The layman who hasn't moved in 40 years. And all of a sudden, Peter and John said, uh, you need change. We don't have the change you're looking for, but we do have. We give you in the name of Jesus. And the man gets up and he starts dancing. He starts leaping. What was that? It was a huge attention grabber. Watch what happens immediately after this man gets up. Acts chapter 3, verse 11, talking about the man that got up and started dancing. It says, while he clung to Peter and John, it says this, all, all. I looked up that word all in the Greek, Dwayne. It literally means all. All the people, it says, were utterly astounded and they ran together into the portico called Simon. So watch this. The lame man gets healed outside of the temple. He is not inside the church. He's not out inside the temple. He gets healed outside in the community. He gets up. He's never walked, y'all. He skips crawling. He skips walking. He goes straight to dancing. He dances into the church. He goes into the outer courts of the temple. It's Solomon's portico or Solomon's colonnade, Solomon's porch. Acts chapter 5 tells us that, that Solomon's porch or colonnade, where he is now, is a place that all the believers would come for a service like this to, to gather together to, to hear the word. So watch this. So this man gets healed outside the church. He comes into the church. When he comes into the church, guess who comes into the church with him? All the people who were outside the church. Okay, they come in and it says they were utterly amazed and, and they're coming in to see. Like, they, they want to see the spectacle. What's going to happen next? Like, if this dude who couldn't walk, you know, is doing the Roger Rabbit, what's going to happen next? I mean, this is unbelievable. What's going on? A huge attention grabber. Now that God's got their attention, Peter's going to start preaching again. Peter's going to preach his second sermon, and here's what he says. And when Peter saw it, when he saw what? When he saw all the people outside the church run into the temple, he addressed them and said, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us? 
as though by our own power of piety have we made him walk. He's saying, why are you looking at me? Why, why are you staring at us? You, you think this man can, can walk because of our own power? Uh, you, you, you think we did this? Don't, don't stare at us. Don't, don't put the attention on us. Don't put your hope and trust in us. This has nothing to do with us. And so Peter begins clarifying how this man was healed. And he says, this man got healed. His healing had nothing to do with the name of Peter. It had nothing to do with the name of John. And so Peter quickly corrects them by dedicating their thoughts towards one name. And that is the name of Jesus. Everybody say one name. There is only one name in which man can be saved. There is only one name in which captives can be set free. There is only one name in which blind eyes can see. There is only one name in which deaf ears can hear. There is only one name in which lame men can get up and dance. And that is the name of Jesus. It's the name that is above every name. The name of Jesus. And that's what we have to point people to. We have to point people to Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Listen, I am so grateful and I'm so thankful and I know all of our pastors are thankful that you think highly enough of us that when you go out and invite people to the church, and I know you say it, you say things like, man, you've got to come hear my preacher preach. You've got to come hear my pastor preach. You've got to come hear the amazing uh, team do worship. But, but remember, y'all remember the Samaritan woman? The Samaritan woman in, in John's gospel, she, she goes to the the well at noon. You know why she went to the well at noon? Because all the other women went at, at, at six and seven in the morning. She didn't go at sunbreak. She, she went in the heat of the day so she wouldn't have to deal with anybody because of the shame because she'd been married five times and, and the man that she was living with now wasn't her husband. And she goes there and guess who's waiting on her? It's Jesus. And Jesus says, will you give me some water? And she looks at him and says, I don't know you. He says, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for water because I'm living water. And Jesus ministers to her right there. She gets full of Jesus. She gets saved and delivered. And it says she runs back to her town. Here it is, John chapter 4. It says, so the woman left her water pot and went into the city. And she said to the people, you got to come see her. And he's not a preacher. He is the Christ. If you're going to point people to somebody, listen to me. Don't point them to me. Don't point them to the church. Point them to Jesus. we got to point people to Jesus. Peter's saying, don't stare at us. Stare at Jesus. We're, we're, we're just the channel. God can change the channel anytime he wants. But we got a source in heaven. It's Jesus. Right now, I'm the channel. He can change me anytime. He can change channels anytime. Somebody else will be preaching up here. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. We have to point people to Jesus. There is only one name. One name. So think about this. All these people, it says they, they, they see the miracle, and it says all of them ran into Solomon's portico. All of them. They run into the temple, so they see the miracle. Everybody say, see the miracle. Next thing, they hear a message. They hear a sermon. Everybody say, hear a sermon. I want you to see the connection. Miracle, sermon. See the miracle, hear the sermon. I want to challenge us not to look at these things as two separate events. It's one event. They, they, they go hand in hand. They just, they fit together. It's like peanut butter and jelly. I mean, you can have them separate, but boy, they're better when they're together. Healing, miracle, Sermon. It's not miracle one event, sermon second event. The miracle is really the introduction to the sermon. 
Because if there's no miracle, nobody comes inside the temple to hear the message. Are you with me? So it's not miracle sermon, it's miracle sermon. You, you, you tracking with me? It's the same way that God does it all through the book of Acts. Remember the day of Pentecost? God shows up in wonder. It's, it's the Holy Spirit comes. They're all filled in tongues and other languages start speaking. Then the people come to see what's going on and Peter preaches his first message. Peter doesn't preach a message to the multitudes if the Holy Spirit doesn't come. So it was miracle sermon, miracle sermon, miracle sermon. Peter stands up, preaches the word and points people to Jesus and thousands are saved. So here is the progression. Are you ready? It's wonder, word, wonder. Acts chapter 2, it's wonder the Holy Spirit shows, shows up. That's the wonder. The word Peter preaches, then the wonder, 3,000 are saved. I mean, that's wonder right there. Acts chapter 3 is the same thing. It's wonder the lame beggar is healed. Then it's word Peter preaches his second message. Then it's wonder people respond to the word. That's how it works. I believe there are two things that built the first century church. Two prime ingredients. And listen to me, there, there's a lot of ingredients. If you read through the book of Acts, and we're going to talk about all these things. God was always about unity. He was always about community. He was always about prayer. If you read the book of Acts, you're always going to find these things, unity and community and prayer. But there's two things from Acts chapter 2 all the way to Acts chapter 28 that we see in every single chapter. Number one, write this down. We always see wonders. Everybody say wonders. Wonders. What are wonders? Wonders are supernatural, unexplainable things. It's when you see a lame man who had been lame from birth when two disciples walk by and say, silver and gold have I not, but what I give you, I give in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And you see a man who had atrophy in his legs, who couldn't walk. You see his tendons and muscles be strengthened again, and he goes straight from laying to leaping. You, that, that is supernatural. That is a sign. That is a, a, a wonder. We see this all throughout Scripture. It's supernatural, unexplainable things. We see, we see healings. We see miracles. We see signs. We see wonders. We see, we see people being raised from the dead by multiple people. Crazy. We see Peter raise somebody from the dead. We see Paul, I'll talk about it in just a little bit, raise somebody from the dead. See, the book of Acts specifically mentions the phrase signs and wonders 18 times. A lot of times you see signs and wonders, it doesn't even mention it, it just talks about the miracle that happened. But 18 specific times you see the term signs and wonders. The second thing that we see all throughout the book of Acts is the word. Everybody say the word. Now, when I say the word, I'm talking about the word of God. I'm talking about, we call it the Bible today. They didn't have the Bible, but it's preaching God's truth. It's the truth of God's words. Dozens of times in the book of Acts, we see the gospel being preached. And it didn't matter who was preaching it. It didn't matter if it was Peter. It didn't matter if it was Stephen. It didn't matter if it was Barnabas or Paul or someone else. We see the gospel being preached all throughout the book of Acts. Why? Because God said, go and make disciples. It was never to come and see. It was always to go and tell that God was sending people out to go and preach his word. So we see, we see the wonders and we see the word. And most of the time, not, not every time, but most of the time they're working in unison. They're, they're, they're congruent. When you see one, you see the other. I, I just want to give you a few scriptures that shows this marriage between wonders and the word. Let me just see if you can see it. Let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 22. It says, men of Israel, listen to these words. What words? That Jesus, the Nazarene, 
a man attests you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And it says all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple known as Solomon's Colony. That's exactly where this guy is. So they would experience the wonders and they would come in and they would hear the word. Uh, Acts chapter 6 is talking about Stephen. Stephen is preaching the gospel. As Stephen preached the gospel, verse 8 tells us, as Stephen, who's actually preaching the gospel during this verse, full of grace and power, was performing great signs and wonders among the people. Acts chapter 8, verse 6. The crowds with one accord were given attention to what was being said by Philip. What was Philip sharing? Philip was sharing the gospel. He was an evangelist as they heard and saw the signs that he was performing. So he's preaching and performing signs and wonders. Acts chapter 14, verse 3. Therefore, they spent a long time with them speaking boldly. What were they speaking boldly? The word and the truth of God, the word, with reliance upon the Lord, who was testifying to the word of his grace, granting that signs and wonders be done by their hands. Acts chapter 15, verse 12. All the people kept silent as they were listening to who? To Barnabas and Paul, or Barnabas and Paul speaking. They were speaking the truth of God's word as they were relating that what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. What am I saying? All throughout the book of Acts, we see two things and we see them together. Wonders and the word. Wonders and the word. There is a connection with word and with wonders, with the supernatural with the miraculous, with the unexplainable. How many know that when, when the word goes forth, it never returns void? That it's always sent out to accomplish something. God, when, when the word is preached, when the word goes out, it doesn't just go out to change our behaviors. If, if that's the way that we look at it, then, then, then we're just, I'm just doing a TED Talk. That, that's, not the, that's not the purpose of the word. When the word goes out, it should accomplish some miraculous, unexplainable things called wonders. Watch this. That's why when the word is preached, people get saved. When, when Peter preached in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people were saved. When the word is preached, I don't care what church is, when the gospel goes forth, people who were once spiritually dead come alive. Do you understand what that means? People will look at you, some of you, you saw people coming to church today, like, what's he doing here? I knew that joker. I remember I got saved, y'all, in 1998. In 1999, I was at, they had a Christian bookstore at the Acadiana Mall in Lafayette. I don't know if you, y'all remember that store? I forgot what it's called. What was it called? Huh? Family Christian. It was a family Christian bookstore. So I'm trying to find some music I can listen to because, you know, I threw all my Tupac away. And so... It just wasn't edifying. It wasn't good for me. And, and so I'm trying to find some music. And then I see this girl across the store that looked very familiar. Her name was Betsy. Betsy actually goes to one of our other churches now. Looked just like a girl that I used to do drugs with. So I'm looking at her. I'm like, man, that looks just like Betsy. That can't be Betsy. Betsy wouldn't be in this store. Betsy's looking at me saying, man, that looks just like Nick. I know that ain't Nick because Nick wouldn't be in this store. And finally, I look at Betsy, and she looks at me, and I said, girl, if you ain't Betsy, you Betsy's twin. She says, you, you must be Nick's twin, too. I said, what are you doing here? There's no, what are you doing here? She goes, I got saved. I said, I got saved, too. She said, no way. It's a miracle. 
But you know what? That's what it is. Every single time somebody repents, it is a miracle that God would take something that's dead spiritually and awaken it and make it alive for the very first time. When the word is preached, people get saved. That is a wonder. When the word is preached, people get set free from addictions and strongholds and bondages. Miss Rose, I know you're here. I saw you come in. Where's Miss Rose? Miss Rose Cork, right there. Miss Rose, stand up real quick. I just want to brag on Jesus. I'm not going to brag on you. I'm going to brag on Jesus. Tell me, just tell me how long has it been real quick before, so I can set it up right. Forty. Okay, watch this. So forty. How many weeks has it been, Miss Rose? Eight, eight weeks, six weeks, seven, eight weeks. Watch this. Forty years. She's been addicted to cigarettes. She responded to the word eight weeks ago. Came to this altar. Mama prayed for her right here. God delivered her in an instant, like that. Hey, no patches, no medicine, no bubble gum. Deliverance. Why? Because when the word goes forth, that's a miracle. You know how much money people spend trying to quit smoking? And listen, I'm not knocking all those things. If you, if you need help, get it. But what I'm saying is God can do something supernatural. That's all Jesus, Miss Rose. You know that, right? Why? When, when the word is preached, miraculous happen. When the word is preached, marriages are restored. People that are on the brink of divorce. And please don't ever give me credit for a cute little sermon I preached about four ways to a better marriage. It's God supernaturally working inside of you. That's a wonder. That's a miracle. That's a sign. When, when, when the word is preached, the unexplainable should happen. That's unexplainable. It's unexplainable when God just does things. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It's sometimes it's just the unexplainable. It's unexplainable when, when a man who's been laying in the same spot for 40 years just gets up and leaves. That's unexplainable. It's unexplainable when God does things in our lives. It's just unexplainable. It's unexplainable how some of you got the jobs that you got. You have no idea how it happened. Let me help you. It wasn't your own ingenuity. It was God. God working supernaturally in our lives, the unexplainable should happen when the word is preached. I believe when the word is preached, I think God still does supernatural things. I think cancer ought to be healed. And I think sickness ought to be healed. And I think there should be financial miracles. And I think there should be relational miracles. Why? Because I believe, if you can see this connection, that the wonders should follow the word and the word should follow wonders. They go hand in hand. Peter said, and on the basis of his name, on the basis of Jesus, that's why all this is happening, because it's pointing people back to, to him. And I look at that story, and I'm being real honest. Acts chapter 3, incredible story, amazing story. I love preaching about that story. My question is, why don't we see God doing stuff like that today? There, there's so many miracles that happened in the book of Acts. And if God was giving us a blueprint for the church today, why, why don't we see that? Let me, let me just give you a couple of thoughts. First, I do want to know that the apostles performed these miracles in order to authenticate their ministry and their message. They did. It was, it was proof. 
And y'all, Peter and Paul, I mean, I, I could give you like a lot of these. I'm just gonna give you a couple. These guys perform miracles like left and right. I mean, we, we see the Acts chapter three, that's a pretty incredible miracle right there. The lame man walking, leaping, praising. That's crazy. But if you get to Acts chapter five, y'all gets even freakier. Acts chapter five, it says Peter was walking by people and there were so many people that he couldn't even touch them. It says his shadow, his, sh- his shadow, like his shadow fell on people and healed people. That's crazy. Like get the light the right way. Like, I mean, this crazy, crazy. You get, to, you get to Acts chapter nine and Peter's in Lydia and he hears that the, the town next to him is called Joppa. He hears this, there's this girl named Tabitha who died. Peter goes to Joppa and prays for Tabitha and she gets up. He, I've never done that. That's crazy. Like resurrection. That's crazy. And, and it starts getting crazier because we see all throughout scripture when we read the, the gospels and especially the synoptic gospels that we see Jesus doing all these miracles. There's 37 miracles that Jesus performed and we see Jesus doing all these things. But when Jesus leaves, he says, I'm going to expand my church. I built it, but now I'm entrusting you to do it. So I'm going to give you a helper named the Holy Spirit who's going to work through you, but I'm still going to get all the glory. So all these signs and wonders that God is working through Peter, we see Paul come on the scene. You get to Acts chapter 12, and it's like the batons passed off from from Peter to Paul. We see Paul and Silas, y'all, they're in prison and supernaturally have a breakout. I mean, that's a sign. That's a wonder. Later, we see Paul, y'all, healing multitudes in Corinth. Like multitudes of people just getting healed. The the lame and the demon-possessed and lepers just getting healed. It's crazy. Probably my favorite story, y'all think I get long-winded sometimes, right? My favorite story is in, in, in Acts chapter 20, y'all, Paul's preaching, and Paul got so long-winded. I don't know exactly how long it was, but he, it was long-winded. He was preaching, and people were gathered in their homes listening. And there was this guy who was listening from his third-floor window, like sitting, you know, in the window, it says Paul preached so long, the dude's name was Eutychus. It says that Eutychus fell asleep because Paul was preaching so long, and Eutychus fell out the window three stories. You know why his name was Eutychus? If you fell out a window from three stories, Eutychus too. <laughs> Preacher joke. It's true, his name was Eutychus. I didn't make that up, that's his name. Watch this though. Paul is preaching the word, stops the word to go perform a wonder. The dude is dead on the floor, says, hold up, I'll be back in a moment. Gets off the stage, he really didn't have a stage, walks over, lays his hands on Eutychus, and Eutychus jumps up and says, what happened? Paul raised him from the dead. Crazy, always word and wonder that God is using through these apostles, there was this one time, if, if, if you read the book, the end of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 27, 28, y'all, Paul is now a prisoner. He always wanted to go to Rome to preach. He never gone to Rome to preach. He, so he's on this ship as now is a Roman prisoner. He's in the bottom of a ship. The ship gets stuck in a hurricane. Paul basically takes over as the captain of the boat. The, the boat gets shipwrecked. They finally make it to an island called Malta. While they're on Malta, Paul's getting some firewood to get all the boys together to warm up because they're shivering. As he's picking up firewood, a viper bites him on the hand. And it says, you know, he just did like Tay-Tay. He shook it off, shook it off. That's what happened. 
It's after this that Paul goes to Rome to preach the gospel. What am I saying? It's always connected. God did it through them. And and the miracles prove that they were sent from God. But here's where we get to today. Because there's a camp of people, maybe some of you are here today, and, and you're just, you're a cessationist. And you believe, well, that was just for them. And, and that was just for the apostles. And there's, there's, a, there's a strong contingency of believers that still believe that, that, that God only did miraculous things, that the gifts of the Spirit that Paul would later tell us about were only for the apostles. And we don't see that anymore. But even as you continue to read the book of Acts, Acts tells us that non-apostles like Philip, who was an evangelist, and Stephen also performed signs and wonders. So here's my question. If God used non-apostles in the book of Acts, why can't he use non-apostles today? If faith moved mountains then, why can't faith still move mountains now? Look, look what Hebrews is. Hebrews 13 says, remember those who led you, those who were before you, who spoke the word of God to you. He says, considering the result of their conduct. See, their conduct was that they preached the word. They were godly men. The result of that conduct was often signs and wonders. It was miracles. Look what he says. Imitate their faith. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What Paul is saying is, if God healed then, he still heals now. If if God restored then, then he still restores now. If God delivered then, then he still delivers now. If they saw signs and miracles and wonders, then guess what, church? We should still see signs, miracles, and wonders today. Why? Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is that good. That's who God is. And that's how I want to close today. I want to pray. Because some of you are no different than the man who's lame. Some of you, it may be a physical ailment. Others, it's relational. It's financial. And I'm going to pray for miracles in just a moment. I'm I'm going to pray because some of you, you need desperately for God, you are at the end of yourself. You, you, you feel like you've been laying in the same spot forever, asking God to touch this area of your life. And the team's going to come and help me out, but let me, let me just close with this. There, there are a few obstacles I do want to address because there are some obstacles that come to believing God. Believing God. Could it be that the infrequency of miracles that we see today is often due to our uncertainty and belief? Uncertainty and belief, write that down. Doubt, unbelief, they're huge obstacles. In Mark's gospel, there's a story of a father who comes to Jesus and his son needs a miracle. His son says he's possessed with these spirits and he's not going to make it. I, I I think this story is a great example of us many times. In Mark chapter 9, it says this. This is the man talking to Jesus. And he, and he says this. He says, if you can do anything, if you can do anything, Jesus, just help us. Take, take pity on us and help us. And, and I, love, I love Jesus' response. If you can. If you can. You, you don't think I can? If you can. I don't know if that's how Jesus said it. That's just how I see him say it. If you can, 
Let me tell you how I can. He says, everything is possible for him who believes. Now watch this. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Same exact verse, same exact breath. I believe you can do it. I believe you can do it. I believe you can do it. Jesus, I'm going to be real honest. I don't know if you can do it. Isn't that how we come to Jesus a lot of times? Jesus, I know you can heal this cancer. I know you can heal this sickness. I know you can do it. I know you can do it. But man, this doctor's report is pretty bad. Did you see the size of the mass? Did you see the size of the tumor? God, God, I know you can heal this marriage. I know you can heal this. Oh, man, we're kind of far off. We're pretty bad. I believe that's how many of us approach God. I believe you can do it. 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 Can you really do it, Jesus? Here's what most of us do. Because most of us inject our past and our shortcomings and our insecurities into the equation of God doing miracles. So it's not that we don't believe God can do it. We just don't believe God can do it for us. I believe he's a healer. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Nisi. I believe he can do it. He's probably going to heal that other lady though. Yeah, that other family is going to get it. I believe he can do it. I just don't know if he can do it. For me, I believe God can restore marriages. I just don't know if he's going to fix mine. I believe God can heal cancer. I just don't know if he's going to heal mine. I, I believe God can do the impossible. I just don't know if he can do it in my life. Listen to me, God can do it. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now listen to me. Just because he can do it doesn't mean he's going to do it. Because God is sovereign. Don't leave here saying, well, Pastor Nick told me the reason I didn't get healed is because I didn't have enough faith. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. I don't, I don't know you or your story. I'm not going to judge you. Our job is to pray with faith. It's God's job to answer when and how he sees fit. And that's an obstacle for some people because time becomes an obstacle. Because many of us have prayed for years with great faith, just believing for something that we thought was the will of God, that God would work supernaturally, that he would save your child, that your body would be healed, whatever it was, that there would be something that God would do. And we've asked, why haven't I got my miracle yet? Because I don't, I don't know the timing of God. I don't, I don't know why God does what he does, but that's not my job. That's not your job. Our job is just to pray in faith. That's all we do. That's our job. His job is when and how. And sometimes it never happens. And that's okay too. Because he's got a plan in that too. But it shouldn't stop us from believing. 
For some of us, could it be that technology has influenced our theology? Like we have a good God that's way up there, but we have science down here. and God takes care of all the spiritual stuff that, you know, we can handle the rest. Listen, I thank God for all of our doctors. We have some incredible doctors in this church and pharmacists and I, I love them and, and I go to them and every once in a while I need an antibiotic too and I'll, 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 I'll take it. But my ultimate hope is not in a doctor or his report or the pill or the capsule that I take. My ultimate hope is in God and God alone. Listen to, to me, technology can only take you so far and when technology runs out, your theology must take over. When the natural ends, the supernatural has to take over. It's when there is no other option and the doctor says, I don't know what to do. And you say, but my God does. I've seen people in this church, there were some here today, maybe here, that I, you've seen God do the otherwise impossible. Things that have freaked doctors out. I don't know what happened to that tumor. I don't know what happened to the mass. I don't know what happened to the cancer. And I love when the sweet little old lady says, but I do. Because there's some things that are just unexplainable. And when the unexplainable happens, I love when they say, I know what happened. When the doctor says, I don't know what happened. I love when the sweet little old lady says, I do. Why? What is she doing? She's giving God all the glory. I've seen cancer healed. I've seen people get out of wheelchairs. We, we were in a foreign country. We, we were in El Salvador. Am I correct? We went to a school. This is crazy. You can't make stuff up like this. And, and we had these Bibles we were going to pass out to the kids. And, 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 the, and the principal of the school said, you can't pass out the Bibles unless you have enough for everybody because the kids are going to fight over them. The missionary that we're with said, just pass them out, pass them out. We're a hundred short. I don't know. We, we passed out Bibles. Every kid got a Bible. I have no idea how that happened. I've seen supernatural happen. I've seen cancer heal. We've seen people get out of wheelchairs. I've seen addicts delivered. I've seen marriages restored. I've seen wayward kids come back home. I've seen God do the supernatural and it's always tied to his name, the name of Jesus. Jesus gets the credit. Why am I saying all this today? Because some of you, you're like the lame man and you need a miracle. Some of you, it is in your body. Some of you do have cancer. Is God going to heal you? I have no idea. That's not my job to decide that. But my job is to pray for you. The book of James says this, that if any are sick among you, let them come before the elders of the church. Let them anoint their head with oil and pray the prayer of faith that they may be healed. That's my job, to pray for you. Today, if you need a miracle, maybe it's emotional, maybe it's physical, maybe you need a healing, maybe it's financial, maybe you have a, a child that you've been crying out for. And you know, it'd only be a miracle if they came back to God. If that's you right where you are, I'm going to ask you just to stand on your feet. We're going to pray for you in just a moment. Pray. Come on, stand. If you need a miracle, if you need God to do something supernatural in your life, come on, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Now watch this. Here's going to be the bold part. Because our, our pastors and our, our prayer team is going to come up here and the worship team begin to play. 
it took some faith to actually make the first step. When, it, when they tell the man, get up, there was a response on his part to say, something inside me saying, move. Can you imagine this man who's, who's never got up? He had to make the physical effort to get up. That's faith. What am I asking you? I'm asking you right now, if you really want to touch from God, just get out of your seat, come down here. We're going to pray for you. We're going to believe for you. We're going to believe that God can touch your body. We believe that God can touch your finances. We're going to pray for you. We're going to, we're going to believe for you. We're going to pray. We're going to pray and we're just going to believe. We're going to lay our hands on you and ask God to heal you and touch you and move and do what only he can do. And for some of you, the unexplainable is going to happen. This isn't to freak you out or be all kooky. We just want to do what scripture tells us to do. And as they begin to pray, as we begin to pray, our team's going to begin to sing over you, just worship. If you're still in your seat, you can come down and receive prayer. If not, I'm just going to ask you to worship with us. Just worship with us. Let's join our faith with theirs. Come on, let's begin to pray for one another. Our prayer partners are down here.